From Neon Hum Media, this is Dirt Cheap. I'm Jeffrey Golden. And I'm Amanda Meadows. And we're reading Murder in the Glass Room by Edwin Rolf and Lester Fuller. So, Amanda, we are approaching Chapter 10 of this masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Do you remember... What happened in chapter nine? It was kind of a quick and dirty chapter. Yes. Uh, so Phil gets home invaded and ransacked by Willie, our favorite Willie. character from the past. Hey, Willie. Hey, Willie. <laughs> so he he gets robbed. Right. He's in his home, but they, he doesn't have his wallet, which is the thing that Willie was robbing him for. Right, but, for his money. And didn't the wallet also have the $50,000. The wallet had the $50,000. That's what they were going for. Was it was the $50,000. Yeah. So he gets beat up. Yeah. And the cops are going to come and investigate. And so he checks out, as you'll recall. Yeah, he flees. Meanwhile, uh, in case you're just joining us, he's the number one suspect in his wife's murder. Oh, yeah, that part. <laughs> Let's see where else Phil can insert himself to further incriminate and put the spotlight on himself. This is chapter 10. How I got to Rosa's, I'll never completely know. I was so groggy, I didn't know where I was. My guardian angel must have been working overtime, because I did get there. Rosa opened the door, and I fell into the room. I remember telling her that I wanted to sleep, and her saying, All right, I'll get everything ready. Then I heard a man's irritated voice in the bedroom and the sound of a bed squeaking. And soon after that, the back door slammed. Rosa came back. All right, Chico, she said. Come on. She helped me up, and I leaned on her shoulder as she led me into the bedroom. The bed was freshly made, but the covers turned back. I flopped down and let her wash the dried blood off my face. Then she undressed me and tucked the blankets around my neck. My eyes closed. A cock blocked her. He's always showing up at the worst possible time for her. And it's like, she's already got to explain why her house is full of yellow roses to her suitors. <laughs> it's like, no, don't worry. It's just the the stupid boy that I take care of sometimes. It's the boy, the murder <laughs> suspect boy. Came home bloody. <laughs> I have to take care of him, so you gotta go. And don't tell the police, by the way, please. She leaned over me and brushed my forehead with her lips. All right now, baby, she whispered. I nodded my head against the pillow. Rosa? Yes, Chico? Rosa, you should have been 15 years younger. Go to sleep, she said. Or I should have been 15 years older. She kissed me again. Either way, baby, I'd never have been very good for you. Never, she said. I don't know, I said. I know, she said. Never. Minor mystery. <laughs> That's an it was it was an awkward way to to have that minor mystery solved, but yeah. I'm glad that she told him to his face that it's never happening. Never happening. Never will happen. Yeah, I think like she finds him a pitiful sweet soul. Right. And uh yeah, not like actually attractive to her. Right. Uh which is great for her. Uh she knows her boundary there. <laughs> but yeah, Phil just keeps showing up in dire straits to get patched up 
like a baby boy. <laughs> and then, like, as you're being tucked in, you're like, you know, mom, if you weren't my mom, maybe we you, would. You'd, fuck. you'd probably be, you'd probably do a good job <laughs> boning me right now. <laughs> I was vaguely aware of her standing there for a long time. I awoke very suddenly. There was no shock, no sharp sound of any kind to startle me out of sleep. Everything was quiet and restful. I had probably been dreaming again, but this time I couldn't remember any part of it. All I knew was that I suddenly sat up in bed and looked at my watch. It was 10.30. I started to feel angry at Rosa for letting me sleep that long, but I remembered that I hadn't told her to wake me. Yeah, also, like, my first instinct was to be angry at Rosa. It's always outside of him. It's amazing, the projection (laughs) abilities, even when he's groggy. Yeah. Groping around the room in the curtained darkness, I found an old bathrobe. It was too small for me, but that didn't matter. I walked out into the living room and heard Rosa's voice outside the door. She was on the porch talking to somebody. Then she laughed and said, See you tomorrow. She walked in with a batch of letters in her hand. She looked surprised when she saw me sitting there awake. Chico, what happened to you last night? She asked. I fingered the scab on the bridge of my nose. I walked into a door, I said. Cool lie. Cool lie. I mean, we all know it's a lie, Phil. I mean... Yeah, why else would you run to her house unless you were in mortal danger? That's like the only time you go to her house. Right. (laughs) You barely remember to get her flowers on her birthday, I think it was. Yep. This is something that he doesn't need to lie about. It's she no- knows what's up. Well, well, like, he can say that he got mugged. Like, he can say that he got robbed. It has nothing to do with the case. It has nothing to do with Edna's murder. So Good point. It wouldn't be information that she shouldn't know or, like, if, you know, she was dragged into a court or whatever she would have to say. So, yeah, he could just be honest and be like, yeah, I got beat up. She didn't seem to expect a more logical answer. Come into the kitchen, baby, she said. I'll make you breakfast. I followed her into the big, old-fashioned kitchen. Carlos was sitting at the table. He jumped up, scraping his chair along the floor, and threw his arms around me. I grinned at him and happily shouted, Carlos, the same. He laughed, slapping me on the back. The one and the only and the same, always the same. What did you find out? I asked. Sit down, amigo. Eat first, Chico, Rosa said, but I was too anxious. Tell me, Carlos, I insisted. First sit down, he said. Rosa is correct. A man cannot talk well on an empty stomach. I don't want to talk. I want to listen. It's the same thing. Food is essential for proper listening. I looked at him, then at Rosa. I watched her as she slipped on an apron and got to work on the stove. And then I looked back at Carlos. What's all this about? I asked. Did you find out or didn't you? Rosa said, Have patience, Chico. Let's eat first. I knew there was no use pressing it. When they got like that, neither Rosa nor Carlos could be hurried. I was seething inside, but there was no magic accelerator in the house to speed them up. Uh, they're Spanish. They're on Spanish time, dude. Yep. You're you, like you know you're these like, people very well. You know them very well, and you showed up unannounced, and you are on 
borrowed time and generosity yeah. and going, tick-tock, motherfucker, mm-hmm. time to pay attention to me. <laughs> and it's like, no, everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to eat. Let everyone have breakfast. If he communicated a little bit better, maybe, you know, this would be, you know, maybe this would be more understandable on his part. If he was like, listen, you know, I know breakfast is important. It's been important ever since we were little. I understand. But I'm in an emergency situation. This this information is really important. He can't you know? use his words like that. But he can't use his words like that, right? So instead, he's just like, tell me information. Tell me, tell me because I want to know. And they're like, no, <laughs> fucking we're eating. This is eating time. Rosa handed me a large glass of orange juice. Carlos winked at me, but kept quiet. I sipped the juice slowly. As sharply as I had awakened a few minutes before, I was getting drowsy again. I had less than five hours of sleep in 48 hours. Rosa put a big platter of fried eggs down in front of me and a plate piled with toast. That sounds really good, by the way. Oh my God, I would definitely eat that. Yeah, come on. Um, You know, I wouldn't fill this up. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't fill this up. Don't fill this up for yourself. Get some delicious food. Normally, I don't think about a book this much. That's a good point. It changes the reading experience because even in like a book club situation, right? You'll like you'll read a chapter and then you know maybe you'll form like one or two opinions about that chapter at most that you're going to bring to a buffet of opinions exactly right? to a, to a, you're going to bring to a potluck of opinions aka right? a book club but in this case we're thinking about this book so much it's we're a part of our lives yeah i, re- I really it's do. the third member of our marriage i really kind of feel like phil is coming to life in our brains like we start to like <laughs> talk about Phil, like we start to reference Phil. Like Phil is becoming like a person, like a figure in our universe. Phil's poison is like leaking out into reality in these like little drips because like, uh, I say racket now all Mm -hmm. the time. Be right back. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. And we're back with Rosa and Carlos trying to get Phil to eat some food. Phil is ignoring them. He just wants information. He's on an all-information diet. (laughs) Eat. You need it. But I pushed the plate away and concentrated on the coffee. Black. Now for your information, Rosa said after a while. I put my coffee cup down. It's about time, I said. Carlos will tell you about the flying to Washington and about the other one. He has all of it, all that there is to get. Are you sure? I asked, turning to Carlos. You found out yourself? You didn't send somebody else? Absolutely, Carlos said. Positively and without a doubt, sure. I'm glad you did it yourself, I said. Who else could do it? Carlos asked modestly. 
But let me tell you, amigo, it was a mission for a, how do you call them? Expert. More yet, for a diplomat. It is not the easiest thing to go into a large airport and ask a simple question. One must be an official, so... So what? I asked, trying to speed him up. So I became an official. Simple. He beamed at me. What kind of official? I asked. That required a little thought, Carlos said. You know how it is with me. I speak English as good as anybody. Better, said Rosa faithfully. Okay, you know how in a musical there are like songs that are like important to the plot? Yes. And then there are those songs that are like, I'm a guy. I'm a guy who does this thing. I'm a guy who does this thing. This Let's fill out the second act. Let's fill out the second act. Yeah. yeah. That is where we're I feel like Carlos is about to break into song. It does feel that way. It's like, oh, just listen to me. Mm-hmm. And who then, else yeah. could do it? Carlos. It's like one of those scheme songs. <laughs> if you need an official, <laughs> you know what to do. Call Carlos. <laughs> He'll help you right through. I mean, yeah, he definitely has like this vibe to him. Like, Yeah, he's a vivacious man. I, I like his energy, too. And he's a bit of a storyteller, as you'll see. Uh-oh. Carlos acknowledged the compliment with a delighted smile, then continued. But still... Let us not deceive ourselves. I have with me all the time the traces of the accent of the country of my origin. Again, I'd like to apologize to our listeners for not having the traces of the accent of the country of my origin. Uh, that would be Spain. Uh, as uh, as you know, I uh, the Spanish accent did not go over well <laughs> with the folks at Neon Hum. So we're going Spainless. So I asked myself plainly, with the accent of a Spaniard, what kind of an official would be most logical for me to be? The answer came immediately, Spanish. But even that was not good enough. Spain is too far away, and some North Americanos don't know whose side she is on in this war, if any. No, I decided, I have to come closer to home, closer to the United States, closer to Los Angeles. Then I had my most brilliant inspiration. I would become the official of a good neighbor. Now the question remained, which good neighbor? And the answer came fast again, Argentina. He looked about him with an air of triumph, but Rose and I just sat and waited. Now, I want to point something out. You will recall that Phil was with Shelley. When Phil told Shelley, hey, I need to get some information at the airport, Shelley was like, I will literally make a single phone call. Yes. And he was like, don't you dare make a single phone call. Instead, he's put this guy, Carlos, who is just like a guy who's just like really good at doing things that we don't know what exactly. He seems like a charmer. A charmer. Carlos has had to do all of this work for a piece of information that Shelly could have gotten with, like, one phone call. For some reason, he wouldn't let her do it. Yeah. I what, yeah. I don't know. The, again, Phil's choices of who he wants to let help him fail him every time. Yep. Filling it up. He's filling it up. <laughs> Why not? Asked Carlos. A good neighbor, a brand new member of the United Nations, Argentina is a magical name in the United States. Besides, by purest chance, I happen to have in my possession a document proving that I am an accredited correspondent for La Critica of Buenos Aires. 
Actually, I'm not a correspondent. Actually, all I have written for Critica are a few literary essays. You know Rosa on Lope de Vega, on Calderón de la Barca, on Antonio Majaro. He, he just skipped over all of Central America. I was just like, no, this is too brown. Right. I got to go to, I got to pick a country in South America that's mostly white. It's <laughs> kind of Argentina. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's also it, where like a bunch of Nazis went. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. I believe that is correct. That is where the Nazis went after World War II, Argentina. Some of them hit out there. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a wild place. Yeah. And I think... Carlos's instincts are right that to fool a bunch of white people, choose the whitest country in Latin America. I started to say something, but Rosa put her hand on my arm and whispered, Patience, Chico, patience. With this document, I armed myself and drove out to the airport. As I had foreseen, nobody there spoke Spanish or read Spanish. Who in Los Angeles does? We only founded the city. Rosa nodded. So with this document, I represented myself to the ticket-selling manager as an official of the Argentine consulate in Los Angeles. All that he did was look at it. As soon as he saw it was in another language, he believed me utterly. Ought to get his head knocked off, I muttered. What? asked Carlos. Nothing, I said. I was just thinking. I think Phil's reaction here is interesting. Rather than be like, Carlos, a guy I like, you did a cool thing. He's like, that guy who you tricked is an idiot. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he always wants to go to the negative. This is a great scene to remember that... Humphrey Bogart was to play <laughs> Phil Norris's character should this have been a movie. And yeah, yeah. imagine Humphrey Bogart like man-babying his pile of eggs and being like, mm. I think they would <laughs> You're have, not helping me. And they would have cut that. They, they would have changed the entire <laughs> book. It's, it, it You're would, right. There's so much of it would have changed. Because hum, this is not Humphrey Bogart. I can't see Bogart yet getting tucked in <laughs> into bed by his mommy. It's just like... It just wasn't how the game of that trope was being played. Right. It would be like men would be kind of weirded out by seeing that. Yeah. Um, like at least if it, if it had been in a film. Like just watching an extended scene of, of, <laughs> of a man getting tucked in. You should see this airport, Rosa, Carlos said. Never have I seen anything to compare with it. The airplanes coming down and rising from the ground every minute. Hundreds and hundreds of them. All of them new and shiny and loud as anything. Magnificent. Watching them, I thought to myself, if only we had had in Madrid the number of planes that used the Los Angeles airport in a single week, we would have won in spite of everything. We could have bombed Berlin on Hitler's birthday and Rome on Good Friday. Carlos, Rosa exploded. What? I told you before, don't be blasphemous. It is not blasphemy, Carlos shouted. It is simple justice. Didn't the planes from Rome bomb Valencia and Barcelona and a hundred other towns? Didn't they kill 10,000 of our people in one raid in March? My God, woman, what is a man made of? I know, Carlos, Rosa said softly. But that is far away now. That is of no importance to Phil. 
tell him what you came to tell him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I like Carlos. Carlos is great. I feel like if I was reading a book about Carlos, I'd be having a good time. I agree. I'm getting like like most interesting man in the world energy from Carlos. He, yes. he uh, knows how to finesse a situation. He knows how to get a good scam over on someone. <laughs> but he also has a good sense of justice in terms of like, you know, war style anyway. I'm just like, yeah, Spain went through it. I waited while Carlos calmed down. Finally, he spoke again in a low voice. That is all. Armed with my questionable document, I saw the man who manages the ticket selling, and it was he who told me the facts. This man, Stanley, did have a reservation on the three o'clock airplane that day, and he did call for it, and he did get on the plane and fly away on the afternoon of May 22nd to Washington. That is what the man who takes care of the ticket selling told me. Those are the facts. Okay. Interesting. So he he got the information. So Stanley presumably has an alibi. So he, at least in from what we know here, he couldn't have directly murdered Edna. Right. In theory, he could have gotten somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. But he probably wasn't there that night. My face must have shown what the news meant for me because Rosa said, It's not good that Stanley went. No, it's not good. I said. She went for another cup of coffee for me. What about the other one? I asked Carlos. About the other one, the Tommy McEwen, he went to Eileen's on the Strip. He stayed there until 4.30 in the morning. A lot of people saw him. He lost much money. Eileen's was an after-hours drinking place and gambling joint up in Hollywood. If Tommy had been there until 4.30, that let him out, too. That's bad, too, Chico? Rosa asked. I nodded. I'm sorry, Carlos said. I am very sorry, but facts are facts. Those are our two main suspects at this point. So obviously this is a blow to Phil. Yeah, yeah. This is the moment where it's like, okay, uh, better find something else. Yeah, I mean. Maybe he should get on a plane (laughs) somewhere. Maybe he should go to Argentina. Mm. Why hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's better strategy You've got a lot of money. The police in this time are slow. Right. Maybe you just leave the country. <laughs> exactly. Right. Maybe you just leave the country at this point. It You're probably still works never going now to be found. if you have enough money. If you leave the country, people just pretend they can't get you. Yeah. I'm not blaming you. I told him. Thanks anyway. It is nothing, he said. I am only sorry I could not bring you good news. But don't despair, amigo. Be optimistic. Yeah, I said sourly. Like me, for instance, Carlos said. Look at me. I have been an optimist for 52 years. I let out a long sigh. And don't worry, Carlos said. We lose and we lose. All my life we have lost battles. But in the end, we will win the war. In the end, in the last battle, the victory will be ours. Of that, I am sure. And now I must go back to my restaurant. This is good advice for Phil. It is. Phil, he is at the basics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Phil does need 
this like Bed Bath and Beyond poster advice that Carlos is giving him. Yeah, someone does really need to give him a live, laugh, love poster. <laughs> I feel like it actually would get through to him. <laughs> this is the if he stared at it long enough. You know what? That's the only way he's going to learn anything is with furniture. <laughs> right back. We're back. Carlos just gave Phil some bad news, and now he's singing for some reason. (laughs) He picked up his hat and began to sing a little song. He started it while he was shaking hands with us in the kitchen, and he was still singing it when the front door slammed behind him. And that is that. Rosa said after he left. I nodded and went into the bedroom to dress. After a moment, Rosa came in and dropped my wallet on the bed. You left this here yesterday, she said. I almost jumped for it. I'd been so pooped for so long that I hadn't even thought of the wallet once since I'd reached Rosa's house. Pooped, pooped, pooped I was. I was super (laughs) pooped. But now I opened it quickly and heaved a sigh of relief. The bills were still there. I took them out and counted them. Then I gave the money to her and asked her to keep it for me. I'll hide it, was all she said. I finished dressing, not bothering to shave. My clothes were a mess, stained and wrinkled. I thought, there's no law that says you have to be well-dressed to be a fugitive. Phil, fugitives are classically sloppily dressed. If you're well-dressed, you don't look like a fugitive. You look like a fugitive if your shirt is torn and you're disheveled and your hair is messed up. You're like, oh, that guy might be running from the law. Yeah, usually you could tell when someone looks like they're escaping something. (laughs) Right. You know, like someone looks like they're in mid-bolt, you know? (laughs) Like, that's that's clear. Phil Uh, should be putting all his time and energy into looking as good as possible so so that people don't suspect he's a fugitive. And here he's like, oh, my clothes are a mess. They're stained. They're wrinkled. You don't have to be well-dressed to be a fugitive. No, Phil. You got this so wrong. <laughs> Passing the telephone in the living room on my way out, I remembered that I had promised to call Shelly. I dialed the house number and asked for her. The operator said she was out. I was sore. She had promised to wait in for my call. I didn't know whether I'd be able to call her again from where I was going, so I asked Rosa to call after a while. She repeated the name several times in a whisper to herself. That was the way she remembered names and other odd bits of information. You'll like this one, Rosa, I said. She looked at me sharply. Sure, baby, sure I'll like her. (laughs) Yeah, like The patience is wearing thin. I want to see her, I said, and tried to figure out a safe place. I know. The bowl. The Hollywood bowl. Up on top. Tell her I'll wait there till two o'clock. The bowl in the afternoon? Sure, I said. Nobody will ever think of looking for me there. Inside, I thought, no, I'm really learning this business. I'm getting out of the novice stage. I'm getting to be almost clever at it. Wow. I got to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Phil is not good at this. He's not getting better. He's not getting better. Rosa nodded. See you tonight, I said. For dinner? Maybe. Try to make it, baby. And take care of yourself. Take good care of yourself. She came over to me and kissed me on the cheek. Come back soon, she said. You know where the key is. Okay, Rosa. 
So we are not finished with chapter 10. Uh, there's a lot more to go. And this chapter gets way crazier. This is an odyssey of a chapter. But we're going to uh, we're gonna pause there uh, for, for today. So, Amanda, what do you think of the first half of chapter 10? I'm not convinced that anyone in any of those scenes knows how willing Phil is to undercut even the best of help and the best of plans. Absolutely. Like, he is a self-sabotager. And, uh, and yeah, all these people are putting themselves on the line for him. You know, Rosa and Carlos, two of the only people who care about him, have, like, put themselves on the line for him. And it's not enough It's to not him. enough for Phil. He still wants snappy answers to stupid questions. <laughs> This is not a great Phil chapter. It is one of those like real Phil chapters where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, here's Phil really just being Phil right now mm -hmm. while a lot of people are trying to reason with him. But man, Carlos though. Carlos. Carlos. Carlos is the star of this chapter. He is vivacious. Mm -hmm. He's charming. He uh, walks you through every single step of his plans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he does extra research for you. Uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just a nice dude, and he's he's uh, clearly like some kind of cool literary socialist. I love it. I, I love I love Carlos. I like you said, if this was a book about Carlos, we'd be having a great time. Yeah, I think we wouldn't be reading it on this podcast, but I would it would be, be too good. It'd it be would too be too good, but I'd be enjoying myself. <laughs> well, Amanda, uh, if you thought a lot happened in this chapter so far. Wait till you hear what happens in the other half of this chapter. Um, without spoiling anything, Phil is going to self-sabotage so hard, oh. it's insane. This rampage of, like, desperate, like, <laughs> self-sabotage continues. Yeah, that's, uh, that's coming up next time. Chapter 10, Part 2, Under Cheap. Dirt Cheap is a Neon Hum podcast. It's hosted by me, Jeffrey Golden. And me, Amanda Meadows. Our producer is Carla Green. Associate producer is Chloe Chobel. The executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Editing by Vikram Patel. Original music by Chris Katinas. Additional tracks you hear on this episode are from Epidemic Sound. Our engineer and sound effects guy is Scott Somerville. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Dirt Cheap Pod and Instagram at Dirt Cheap Books. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next episode for another exciting chapter of Murder in the Glass Room. <laughs> <laughs>